It's Advent. If you hadn't picked it up from what we're singing, from our candles and from the lovely things that Rob and Heather have led us with. It's a, a time of waiting with expectation. It's a time of preparing for God's coming. It's the start of the church year. So why do we get a reading about the end of the world? And why do we get it every year on the first Sunday of Advent, for those of you who remember? Every year. This year it's from Matthew because from now on we'll be focusing on Matthew's Gospel in the lectionary. These readings, they, there are the similar readings in Luke and in Mark and they're the ones we get on the other years. They're, they're often called little apocalypses. And an apocalypse, we, the big apocalypse we have in uh, the Bible is the what we call the book of Revelation, but it's actually called the Apocalypse of John. Apocalypse is, the, is to reveal something. In, in fact, it's quite a, a violent word. It's, it's like ripping the lid off something to show you what's really going on. These texts are designed to wake us up. And in this text too, Jesus says, keep awake. But Why? Well, because we must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. And it is unexpected. People are living normal lives. They're eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage before the flood. There's two people in the field doing normal things. There's two people grinding corn, grinding meal. There's normal things. And then the flood comes and then two are taken People living normal lives. And then the thief comes in the middle of the night. It's definitely unexpected. So how do you prepare for the unexpected? If you're prepared for it, it's not unexpected. How do you do that? Well, we can prepare to some degree for a flood. And aren't our sisters and brothers are trying to do that on our part of the River Murray now? Preparing for what is inevitable. It raises all kinds of questions about where we should be building and where we shouldn't with the advent of climate change. And how do you prepare for a thief? Well, what you could do, of course, is put up razor wire and employ guards and live behind a shelter. You could grow up on a diet of commercial television news reporting which tells us over and over again how terrible the world is and how bad it is, even though the statistics on violent crime in most Western countries, and certainly in Australia, have been falling falling for at least a decade and a half, probably more. And how do you prepare for one to be taken and one left? Ask the people of Ukraine. How do you prepare for that? Ask those who were enslaved during the Roman Empire. How do you prepare for that? Ask... First Nation peoples, how you prepare for one to be taken and a generation to be damaged. Well, the coming of the Son of Man is about the end of the age, Matthew says, and he goes on and on about this all the way through the Gospel. It refers to what we often call the second coming, which is not a term that the Bible uses at all, but it's a It's a conglomeration of a whole bunch of things the Bible seems to indicate that there will become a moment when what we know as history will stop. 
can't say much about it. In fact, Jesus himself says, you can't really know what that's like or what that means. I mean, how are we to prepare for those? How are we to prepare for the heat death of the sun in something like five billion years, which probably won't bother even the healthiest among us? How is it possible to live, as some people say, live each day as if it was your last? How do you do that? Look, to be frank, if this was my last day, I'd be down the beach. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> wouldn't you? Or, you know, opening that bottle of wine that you've been keeping for... Uh, pull the cork out now and enjoy it. But we can't live like that. We have to live as if. Not as if we'll live forever. But we have to live in the moment we're in. We can prepare for the end of the age if we think about it a little bit differently. If we think about the end of the age as an end of a way of seeing and being in the world. Do you see all of this, Jesus says early in the chapter, as, as Rob reminded us? The, the temple, all of this will be gone. Even this, the most, one of the most, and perhaps the largest building in the world at the time, that'll all be gone one day. Nothing lasts forever. The, the end of the age is coming. Everything solid melts into the air, Karl Marx and Frederick Engels said in their Communist Manifesto, which came just at the beginning of the upheaval of the Industrial Revolution. Everything that seemed to be solid did disappear. And the Industrial Revolution changed everything. There's an old Persian fable that goes something like this. An Eastern monarch once charged his wisest, uh, wisest counsellors to invent him a sentence to be ever in view and which should be true and appropriate in all times and in all situations. They worked on it and they came back with this sentence. And this too shall pass. And this too shall pass. We need to prepare for the end of the age, for the end of an era. Fiji is doing it at the moment because they're at the end of an era. Because of climate change, their country is literally disappearing. We need to prepare for the end of an age. We're at the end of the age of Christendom, the end of the age of the church as institution. The United Church is now half the size it was 20 years ago. Every congregation in the Western world that's part of the traditional congregations, we're all smaller and older. The era of the 1950s neighbourhood church is gone and won't come back. How do you prepare for that? Well, first off, you acknowledge it and you live with it, but then you try and do new things. You're doing that here with the evening gathering, with the work that Nina does with the Advent candle, uh, Advent calendar, which um, I spruced around. I was on an international meeting the other day and I held it up on the Zoom and people were already bothering Carolyn and Nina about buying them. So there's things that we're doing, but it's hard and it's not easy, but it means recognising the reality of where we are. And of course we can prepare for the end of our own age, which will come soon enough. We don't know when, but in 50 years, pretty sure none of us will be here. A couple of us might still be here, relatively healthy. The rest of us, 
will be on somebody's mantelpiece as a photograph and people scratching their heads going, I think that's your great uncle or aunt, oh, look, I can't remember what they're not. That'll be us. The end of our age is coming, isn't it? How do we prepare for it? Well, we live in this moment, waiting for the unexpected. Expecting it, whatever that means, and waiting for it. And I think there's a clue in it in the Gospel of Matthew. One of the important elements of Matthew's Gospel is it seems to be written to other Jews. So it has a lot of stuff in there about Judaism, which doesn't need to be explained. Because it's just obvious to everybody who's supposed to be reading this. We're not supposed to be reading this 2,000 years later. It was never written. If I said to you, yesterday the White House said that you would know exactly what I was talking about. But in 200 years' time, if somebody reads that, they've got the, the White House. Do these people think houses speak? Do they, why is it important that it's white? You know, there could be a whole, you know, you could do a PhD on it. But we don't need it explained. We know what it means. So much of Matthew is like that. Over and over, right at the beginning of the Gospel and all the way through, Jesus is called Son of David. Now, David was the king of the great, glorious, the most glorious time of the Hebrew peoples. It's their golden age. And Jesus is called the son of that golden king. And then at Jesus' birth, all of Judaism comes together and it all makes... Actually, no, that doesn't happen at all. What happens at Jesus' birth in Matthew is a star appears. Now, the Jews weren't very interested in astronomy and astrology, which were kind of similar things back then. A star appears. Isn't the high priest supposed to appear? Aren't the people from the synagogue all supposed to come out? Because this is a Jewish story to Jewish people. Well, what appears? A star. And that's why we're focusing on it. That's why we've got stargazer gazing up. One of my favourite pieces of art in all the world. I used to live in the town where this lives. And I would go and see it. Um, not every week, but, but if I didn't see it for a couple of weeks, I'd want to go and look at this tiny little gorgeous thing from 5,000 years ago. A star appears. And then, following the star, is a bunch of astrologers, astronomers from the East. Foreigners. People from a different religion, completely, who don't belong at all. If Advent is anything, it's about getting ready for the unexpected. And if Matthew's Gospel starts this way, then you know it's going to be full of expectation of strangeness all the way through. This Advent, a star turns up. Now, we've read this story over and over again, so we go, yeah, well, that's what's supposed to happen. No, it's not supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed, it wasn't supposed to be weirdos from across the other side of the world who dress differently, speak differently. They're not the ones that are supposed to recognise that in this moment, the world is about to change. And yet they're the ones that Matthew gives us. So if you're going to take Advent seriously, if I'm going to take it seriously, I've got to be, have, as my mother used to say, eyes in the back of your head. I've got to be looking around. I've got to be paying attention. I've got to be expecting 
that things will come to me in a new and different way. And that something new might be born in me that I never expected. So I'll be it.